time where I was, I was at a conference, and I had a friend call me from California. And um, uh, he, he called me from California, and I was at the time I was one of the leaders of uh, the Dallas Dead Raising Team. He called me, and he said his, uh, his sister-in-law in Dallas had died, and he wanted me to go pray for her to get resurrected. And um, I got out of the conference at midnight, and I showed up at the hospital at 1 in the morning. And the whole family was there. And it was one of those moments where, where you cannot just feel the atmosphere. Like prophetically, you're picking up, or I was picking up what the, um, and I am struggling to stand up. <laughs> it's hard to focus on two things at once. Oh, I, I could hear, I could tell what they were thinking when I, when I walked in and I'm not trying to sound like super spiritual. Like I hear everybody's thoughts or anything like that. That's not a normal thing for me. Um, but I could just tell what they were thinking, what they were feeling in that moment. And, and the atmosphere, the, the thought, the, the prevailing thought and feeling was that they were waiting for me to get done doing what I had to do so that they could hurry up and start grieving. Like they were ready to grieve. And there was almost, it's, and it's one in the morning. They're all tired. I, and I don't know how long they've been in the hospital. And, and I knew some of the members of this family. Um, and, and they kind of already saw me as a little bit uh, spiritually weird, I guess. Um, if you're on a Dallas dead raising team, typically people are going to look at you a little funny. If they don't have that theology. Um, and the husband came out of the, the uh, hospital room. And he brought me back. To, to pray for his wife to get raised. And she was a minister and she was in her, her late 30s. She had died of cancer. And it's just. Um, it's just the husband and me. And, uh, and this lady. you, Lord. Um, <laughs> I didn't need that. It's hard to talk and not be able to stand. And we, we start to pray, and it, it became very clear very quickly that we were coming from two very different perspectives. I'm, I'm, something rises up in me, and I'm praying, and come back in Jesus' name. And, and I'm not asking. I'm not pleading. I'm just I'm calling her back and commanding for her to be raised from the dead. And at the same time, uh, here's her husband, who I, I don't know very well. And, and he is just sobbing. And, at the, and he, I can tell he is grasping for something, but, but there's not a lot of hope in the room. And, and they had been married for a few years, and it was some, one of those situations where um, it had been clear to them that the Lord put them together, and this was a thing that God had done. And, uh, and since then they had been contending for her, uh, for her healing and here she is dead. And he's, he's now trying to pray with me and we're coming from two different places. And after, uh, let me say this also, I'm accustomed to praying for people and it taking more than a minute for them to be fully healed. Like that's, that's not a problem for me to sit there and pray for 30 minutes. Um, I've seen people that are paralyzed, get out of the wheelchair and it take 
15, 20 minutes, and they start slowly getting feeling going back down their, their limbs and things like that. So I'm okay with praying for more than a minute. And that's kind of what I'm used to. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm praying. We're contending for this. I'm not, you, you're not really sure where your faith is at when you're kind of conflicted with all these different things and just trying to focus on the Lord. And after maybe a minute or so of prayer, um, he, he says, okay, I think, you know, I think it's time. He, he got a message from his pastor that, um, that the, the other pastor was coming. And uh, he said, I think, you know, I think she's gone. And, and something came on me that's not normally on me. And, and for those of you that know me, I, I don't, I'm not a hard person. I, I don't say a lot of things really firmly. Uh, but in this moment, something came, came upon me and out of me. And I looked at him. Whew, and it almost seemed like I was yelling at him. And I said, you need to resolve something in your heart in this moment right now. That God is not the one that took your wife. There is only one that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And that is not God's job description. Because you could hear it. You could hear this contention of why God, why? And it wasn't God. And I don't know, I don't know how much of that got through to him. I know he went through a struggle for a period. And then he eventually, he did come back to, to being on the right track. But see, for so many of us, that, that question of why is the thing that eats our lunch. See, sometimes people perish still for a lack of knowledge. I don't know. I don't have the answer for why she wasn't raised. And I don't feel like it's my responsibility to get every answer but at the same time, you don't forsake what you know. You don't forsake faith. You don't forsake your relationship with God for a question that you can't answer. That's what it means to be in faith. I can't even, uh, there's so many people that I can think of that they're praying and praying and praying and praying and praying for, for years even for something to get healed. It doesn't get healed. Somebody dies. Some, there's some loss. There's some disappointment. And then their entire relationship with God gets thrown out as though everything hinged on him answering this one prayer. We're called to fight the good fight of faith. And just because you lose a battle doesn't mean that you lay down your armor, you lay down your weapons and get out. Because you really can't get out of the fight. You're just making yourself defenseless. See, faith is a lifestyle. There's moments of faith, and there's a life of faith. And two of the things that really come against us are doubt and our unbelief. And doubt is a demonic mindset. Oh, sorry, let me say it again. Doubt is a, a carnal mindset. Unbelief is a demonic mindset. Both of them seek to be legitimized by somebody's experience. 
They are searching for, it's when, when you hear doubt and unbelief, there's always somebody that has an experience of, well, why didn't God heal this? Or why didn't this person get, get you know, whatever I was praying for? And when it's really bad, when it's unbelief, is, is usually when there's a theology behind that experience because now they're trying to find a reason and trying to bend the word to, to match their experience rather than let their experience rise up to the level of the word. Unbelief, the voice of unbelief says that either God can't or God won't. When you're praying for healing, and I put a lot of this in terms of healing because I, I, I've contended a lot for healing. Unbelief says, well, you know, God doesn't heal everyone. He's not going to heal me. And there's usually a reason of either they don't believe their own value or, or they don't believe in his goodness. He's good all the time. Doubt says maybe God will or maybe God won't. And doubt comes from the carnal mindset that we've been trained in. In our society, we are trained to always have a backup plan. True? You don't leave one job without having another job lined up. You, you don't just jump from one thing to another. You need to have a plan in place for how to do it. And if this doesn't work out, you need to have a backup plan. There is no backup plan to the Lord's faithfulness. He is always faithful. If there's something we miss, if there's an understanding we lack, you lay it down and you keep going because you know that he's faithful. That's how you run the race. If you look, Jesus really took the lid off on, on every kind of potential for our lives. There's so many open-ended, all-consuming promises of all things are possible to him who believes. Ask anything in my name. He uses that language for a reason. Anything, all things. It sounds like he's making a lot available to us. But we try to impose different rules on God of why he can't move. See, when people, when you start to experience doubt and unbelief, and there's a theology behind it, or, or you see somebody that they were walking with the Lord consistently for a period of time, oh, I'm not supposed to go a certain place. Sorry. I'll keep my hand on the podium. I'll behave. Um. When you see somebody that is, has laid down the relationship with the Lord because of a disappointment, it's because they weren't really rooted and grounded in faith. In Colossians 2.6, it says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, I'm just going to insert my little bit in here, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord by faith, so walk in him having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith. 
just as you were instructed with overflowing gratitude. If you can fall back from your relationship with the Lord because of some circumstance that you can't answer, it's, it's just an area that you need to be grounded in faith. You have to get back into that place of trusting in his goodness. See, I don't have to, I don't have to try to trust my wife. You don't have to strain to trust someone when you love them. There's the, the two things that you're told to be rooted and grounded in are faith and in love because faith works through love. If you think of it in context of a person, I don't have to, to struggle to trust somebody that I love. It just comes naturally. I don't have to try to build up faith for healing because I love the Lord and I know that he's good. It's a lot easier that way. It's way easier than trying to find the right prayer. I promise you that. If you're trying to find the right prayer, you're not going to find it. Even quote, mm, Lord, that's okay. I'll say it. Um, even quoting scripture to try to get God to move. You hear it? Get God to move. It won't work. Because now we're trying to manipulate God. He's God. You don't manipulate him. And, and <laughs> there was one time where I was, I was teaching a group on don't, don't do. Everybody say, I'm not going to do what Jeff just said or is about to say. Yeah. Is about to say. There you go. Good. Good. I was teaching a group on healing. And I was trying to demonstrate. There was somebody who was praying all these long prayers. And, oh, my gosh, it was so tiring. And uh, I, I was trying to, to explain that you really, you don't have to find the right prayer. You don't have to find the right scripture to quote to get God to do something. So just to demonstrate that, um, I, we were, I was showing them how to pray for people to have their legs grow out. So uh, I said, okay, I put, it, put this, uh, this girl's um, feet in my hands. And I said, just watch. It's not what I say. SpongeBob SquarePants, and the leg grew out. And I looked at them, and I said, now, is there any power in SpongeBob SquarePants? No. So where was the power? It was because I believed him in that moment. It had nothing to do with what I said. That's why you can heal people with your shadow and and we can have a whole healing meeting right now without me praying for a single person. And if you've never, actually, while, we're, while I'm talking about it, is there anybody that has not seen someone healed physically when you prayed for them? Raise your hand if you've never seen someone physically healed. One? Okay. Two? Okay. Y'all, I'm going to ask y'all for help later, okay? We, I won't have the microphone. I'll just ask you for help. Um, Jesus, get me back on track. But the whole point was that believing God is not a strain. It's not a struggle. And it's easy when you're coming from a position and a motive of love. First John 4.17. I love this verse. And I still don't know all of what it means. By this. Love is perfected with us 
so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. See, God has been trying to wake us up to the new creation reality. It was the very thing that you were talking about. You're a new creation. Think of it as a new species. You were a dog, now you're a cat. It's something entirely different than you were before. As he is, so are we. What is he like right now? He's got the eyes of fire and the feet of bronze and all that other really crazy, scary stuff. That's how he is right now. And in the spirit, so are we. All we have to do is believe it. And by this, love is perfected with us. See, the motive of love has to be attached to the, the action of faith. You can segregate the two. You're just not supposed to. You're not going to get any benefit from it. See, in 1 Corinthians 13, that's when he said, you can have faith to move mountains, but if I have not love, it profits nothing. If I have faith for healing and I pray for somebody and they get healed, they receive the blessing of healing. But if I don't have love, I don't get any blessing from it. I don't grow in love. I don't grow in who I'm meant to grow in. I don't become more like Christ in that moment. Instead, even more dangerous, I could get built up in my identity in a gift rather than in Christ. When the Lord first started talking to me about who we are in Christ, I struggled with it for a long time because so much of my identity was tied up in gifts and in, in um, the way that people recognized me. I felt good if somebody said, oh, you're so gifted, or, or you know, I felt affirmed when, when I would go and pray for people and they'd get healed or somebody would get saved or whatever it was because my identity was coming from a wrong place. See, if you miss a prophetic word and you're called to be a prophet and your identity is drawing, being drawn from a, being a prophet and you miss the prophetic word and somebody says, oh, you must not be prophetic, all of a sudden now you're really in trouble because now they're not just questioning a prophetic word or a prophetic gift. They're questioning who you are in Christ. Because, oh, I'm a prophet. If I'm not a prophet, who am I? But if you know that you're a son and a daughter and somebody says your word was wrong, okay. I'm going to be honest, some of, the most, some of the most fun times are when you totally miss a prophetic word. You already look crazy at that point. You might as well just go for broke. Like, there's nothing else that you can do. They think you're crazy. Just give them the love of Jesus. Give your whole testimony. Do whatever you want at that point. Everything's open. It's all free game. Jesus. And a lot of it for me came from when I would go out and pray for people. I'd go out and pray for people all the time, going out and praying for people. Because I really wanted to see power. And, and I'd never experienced power in my life up until when, when God kind of crashed in on me. And then I, you know, all I'm thinking is power, power, power. I want to see more. I want to see more. 
And I knew that I was meant to mature into it and all that. So I assumed that maturing into it meant doing it more, which is not the case. See, somebody can lay hands on you and impart a gift of healing, but they can't impart the maturity that came with them growing in the gift of healing. And the story has nothing to do with anything. I don't know why, why this is coming to me. Oh, well, whatever. It's just a story. Um, there was a time when, when I was, I, I had this conviction that I was supposed to preach. And I had nowhere to preach. Nobody wanted me to preach in anything. So I, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go to Luby's. And I don't know why Luby's. I just figured that the crowd there either couldn't hear me or, or that they were receptive to me. You know, I'll go on a Sunday afternoon. This is going to be the church crowd. And, and I showed up at Luby's. And, man, when I got there, I got to the parking lot. I was confident right up until the parking lot. And all of a sudden, shaking and, and just fear. I don't even know how to describe it. I was so afraid. I'm shaking. I'm sweating. I was in the car for 20 minutes before I get out and I get into the Luby's. And then I don't even say anything. I stand up and I'm like, Okay, I'm going to, I'm, okay, no, 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 it's not the right time. You know, they're not ready or whatever it might have been, the, the, that, that mindset. And I didn't do it the first time. And then the second time I went back and it was just as bad, but I, I had someone else with me. So he, he kind of, I mean, we showed up, we went to Luby's, we might as well do it now. And, and I noticed that as the moment when I said, excuse me to the crowd of Luby's, All that fear left. Oh, now I know where I'm going. Thank you. Um, all the fear left in that one moment. All I had to say was, excuse me. And we preached. And you know, not to, not, to my knowledge, nobody got saved. We had a couple missionaries come up and talk to us, and we prayed for them and things like that. See, the, the three things that come against you the most when it comes to pursuing faith are doubt, unbelief, and fear. Fear comes because we have to get over ourselves. We have to realize that we've died to ourselves, that we don't live for ourselves anymore. We live for him. Doubt comes because we've been raised in a world system that tries to tell us that there's another option other than God coming through for us. And unbelief comes because there's a devil and he's a jerk. And he tries to convince us things about God that aren't true. But if we can grow in love, faith is easy. Fear is overcome. Doubt is crushed. And unbelief has nowhere to land. And actually, um, where's the keys guy? Keys or guitar you're amazing. Worship was awesome, by the way. <laughs> I, I think I got some deliverance in worship. It was good. I'm serious. I think I did. Um, I just want you to take a moment. And, and just close your eyes. Just connect with the Lord. 
Ask him if there's areas where you've been disappointed, where you had, where you had given up on trusting the Lord. If there's areas where you've felt fear, and rather than confronting and overcoming it, you let it take hold. If there's areas of unbelief, where you said that either God couldn't or that God wouldn't do something. If you feel like any of those are you, I'll, I want to invite you actually to come up front. Not Just come up and kneel, and, and it's not about the person around you. It's not about the ministry team. It's just yielding to the Lord. It's saying that I don't want to live that way anymore. It's saying that the disappointments of the past are not going to mark my life. It's saying that the things that, that I can't explain are not in my destiny. But you're called to walk in fearlessness. Talk to him about it. Give it over to him. That situation from the past that that you'd lost hope. That fear that had been crippling your destiny, that had been that had been stunting your ability to walk in faith. Just declare his goodness back to him.